Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason, watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, we are giving away $200 in slot play to Sasquatch Casino up in Blackhawk in the second hour of the show. If you've won in the past, you're not eligible to win again. First four callers are going to get 50 bucks each while you're up there. You can see their latest promotion, which is fantastic. They're giving away over $17,000 or up to $30,000 towards the lease or a purchase of a vehicle at Omera Ford grand prize drawing January 22nd and 23rd. I don't know if this has ever happened in the history of happenings with what I'm about to tell you. The history of happenings. In the history of happenings. So just history period because the, things have been happening well, this is since the, the dawn of time. This is the honest of coincidences. What color is my water bottle roughly? The color of Mountain Dew. Okay. So like a yeah, yeah, kind of the color of Mountain Dew. Have you ever known someone to have a pen, ironically, the same color exactly as that water bottle? Yeah, that's bizarre. Because that's we're, that, we're not in talking, the history of happenings, but we're not this ta- just but, happened for the first time. But we're not talking about red, right? Or royal blue. It's because of this navy. type of color. It's, it's the craziest. Here's how I would describe can we describe it. Shot, can we get a yeah. shot of this, Alex? The closest it, approximate the closest color to that. Is Seattle Seahawks green? This is pu- this is this is Linda like, Blair Exorcist green pea soup green. Yeah, that's that's not a it's it's not an attractive green. It's an oddity of oddities. Yes. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, Mace 538. It's a prediction model website from everything from sports to politics or anything else you could probably put odds on. They give the Broncos a 21% chance of making the postseason. That is the lowest total of all of the 7-6 and six teams in the AFC. Here are your percentages. Colts, 67%. Bills, 66%. Browns, 40%. Bengals, 29%. Broncos, bring it up the rear. At 21%. Now, the Broncos' chances of being a playoff team, according to 538, dropped to 5% if they lose on Sunday and increased to 31%, which would still put them behind the Browns in fourth place if they beat the Bengals. Then the Broncos' chances go back to 11% if they go to Vegas and lose to the Raiders. Hope everybody got that and digested it as we move forward. Looking at these percentages, do you think that Sunday's game is effectively a elimination game for the Broncos or the Bengals? A little more for the Broncos than the Bengals, but yes. And you wonder, you may wonder, why are the Broncos' percentage chances so low in that? I do wonder. Mace, why don't you share with the class? Well, there are a couple of things that are working against them. Number one the collective record of the teams that they are playing, the worst team they have left is the Raiders at 6-7. and seven. There, 
there are no free spaces on the Broncos board remaining. Correct. They used their last free space last Sunday against Detroit. Of course, for example, you look at the Colts. They've got a game against the Texans. Well, they still have a free space left. Can I sum this up? Just put it in a nutshell for you. Well, there's one more thing. Generally speaking, for the rest of the season, for the final three weeks, I should say, of the regular season, for most teams, they will be playing games within their division. The Bills, I don't know how many games they have against Miami or the Jets, but they're in that division. I believe the Bills close with Miami. Okay. The Bengals, they play in the same division as Baltimore, the Browns, and the Steelers. The Steelers bring up the rear in that division at 6-6. Six and six. The Raiders bring up the division in the West at 6-7. and seven. So all of these teams are roughly 500 or better. You look at the Colts, they have the Texans and the Jaguars in their own division. Right. But they've already used their games up with the Jaguars. Okay. Well, how many of the games do they have against Texas? They have one game left. There you go. Well, that's a, that's like a big I said, thing. That's the, that's the free space on, on the board. Correct. Now, and for example, you look at the Browns. They play Pittsburgh. They play Cincinnati. They also play the Raiders on Saturday. And then they have yep. the, the Packers game in Green Bay is a probable loss on Christmas Day. Right. Then they play Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. When you have these division games, somebody has to lose, but somebody has to win too. Right. Unless you've got the rare tie. Let's look at the Bills for for as an example, because they're high up on the list, right? Well, now, yeah. This now, is, okay, yeah. They're, they're high. Now, going into their final three games of the season, they're not all division games, but the game before, just like the Broncos game, uh, is not a division game. The Bills play the Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. But then they get the Patriots. They have the Falcons, and then they get the Jets. Yeah. The Broncos don't have that luxury. They're playing the Chiefs, leading the division. Chargers playing well now, second in the division. And the Raiders, yes, they are sliding, but they're still 6-7. and So it is really based on, I'm guessing, these percentages on strength of schedule and probably strength of schedule, not only, but I'm guessing it's about 85 to 90% of the equation. And the other thing that comes into play here is right now in – when you have two teams from different divisions, the first tie break is obviously head-to-head. Two or more teams, I should say. The second tie break is conference record. And that's another reason why the Broncos are sitting there staring up at these other seven and six teams. Of course, head-to-head, they already have a loss with Cleveland. The Broncos are straight up head-to-head with Cleveland in the Correct. tie break. They're, they're fried. And that's why this, this game is so important on Sunday because – if they lose to Cincinnati, lose that they're fried on that tiebreaker. Right. And then exacerbating it is, I'll just take you through the conference records of all the other seven and six teams. Indianapolis is six and three in the AFC. Yeah, look at the division they get to play. Yeah, Buffalo is five and five. Good division to play in. Cincinnati's five and three. Not a great division, to play but in. they've done it anyway. Yep. Cleveland is four and five, and the Broncos are three and five. Right. All right now well, they would. Now again. For them to be in the conversation, they would ha- they would be able to get hot. But let's say they win three out of four to close to close this season, that only gets them to six and six in the tiebreak. Right. So if they if they finish two and two the rest of the way, and they're nine and eight in that tiebreaker, they are five and seven, and they probably lose that to whoever they'd be tied with, and that's why the Broncos really do need to win three games to have any shot. Well, it's the old Lloyd Christmas line. So you're saying there's a chance. So 
let's call Sunday's game essentially for the point of this conversation an elimination game. It's not, but let's just it's call gonna it. It's going to feel that way. Well, yeah. yeah, because they can win out and still finish 10-7, but I digress. If the Broncos lose, do you think they make moves pretty much almost right away, knowing that according to these percentages, if they lose, there is a 5% chance that they make the playoffs. And by the way, you put out a Twitter poll question today. We'll get into the results later on in the show and what people Mm -hmm. had to say about this question. If they lose on Sunday, should they start making moves? And here's something else to consider. On December 27th, teams can start interviewing head coaching candidates if they want to, right? Mm -hmm. So they play on the 19th. The following week is the 26th, and then on Monday, it's open season, and Zoom is going to be loaded with interviews. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing. I, I personally think that if they lose this game, they would not do anything this coming week. No. I think they would wait a week. If they lost the next two, Yes, I think then December 27th would be a day that you see some moves. You see D-Day? Basically, Black Monday might be moved up two weeks this year league-wide. Right. Because of that rule. that That's going to be an interesting element here in the last few weeks of the season because there are so many teams that are still in it. I mean, who's eliminated right now in the NFL? I believe only four teams are are mathematically out of it. The Bears are four and nine and literally only two games back of the playoffs. Right. So you have so many teams clustered together. Are teams going to say if they if they have a minimal chance on December twenty seventh with two games to go, are they gonna say, you know, minimal chance, let's just go ahead and make the move right now and start the process? Or will they let it play out at least one more week? You know what might save Vic Fangio's job? Besides making the playoffs? Well, it's all kind of tied in. Yeah. It's all kind of tied in. (laughs) The schedule and, and we'll we'll talk about this at 5 o'clock, there are two things that might save Vic Fangio's job. The way the schedule makers put together the schedule and adding a 17th game. Those two things might very well get the Broncos into the playoffs and save Vic Fangio's job. We'll talk about that at 5 o'clock. In the meantime, coming up next, we're going to talk some hockey with Kyle Keefe. You see him on the tube. He does the pre- and post-game shows for the Avalanche, and he is one happy hockey guy right now, just like all Avs fans are. What is going on with all this scoring? And Nathan McKinnon isn't. That's next. Now in the morning I sleep alone. Sweep the streets I used to own. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. 
Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public for your next project, not retail, but wholesale lumber, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. All right, Avalanche playing great hockey right now, taking on the New York Rangers tonight. With that, I want to bring in our friend Kyle Keefe of Altitude Sports and Entertainment. Of course, you can catch him doing the pre- and post-game shows. How are you, Kiefer? Good, guys. How are you? Uh, real good. So I like to read power rankings as much as anybody doing sports talk radio. You know, gives us an excuse to talk about something because who doesn't enjoy a good power ranking in December when the season still has about three, four months to go? With that, when you look at the overall standings in the NHL, when it comes to total points, and I understand the Avalanche have games in hand, but they're about 10th or 11th in terms of total points. And I read a power ranking, and it said the Avalanche are the best team in hockey right now. Despite being that far down the list, I understand they have games in hand. You watch far more hockey than I do. Are they the best team in hockey right now? No. Um, I would say no. And the only reason I would say that is because the consistency um, is the only question mark. They'll go four or five games. Um, where they're lights out and they're the scariest team in hockey. Um, the, the Toronto game was a little alarming. Uh, you know, you get, you get waxed by anybody eight to three, then there, there's issues, defensive issues. Um, I would say that, uh, offensively, they're probably the most talented and most dangerous. Um, defensively, I think they're figuring things out. I think that the game against Florida was the best hockey game of the year. I think that that was two of the top clubs in the NHL, but I would say that Florida right now is probably the top team in the league. And uh, from the standpoint of experience, Tampa Bay has got to be there as well. Uh, Minnesota has been surprisingly, uh, I mean, resilient, I guess I would say. There's games where they're, they're down a couple of goals and they find ways to win. I don't, I wouldn't put them in my top five, but, uh, you know, there's teams that have sort of groomed themselves for this. The Avs are definitely in that conversation. Are they the hottest team in the NHL right now? Yes. But are they the best team? I think they're still working towards that. Because if they can play like they did against Florida on a nightly basis, they're, they're scary good and could win the Stanley Cup. It's funny because, like, I don't go to points. I go to the point percentage column when I'm looking at the NHL standings and the Avs right now, they are, um, they're, they're eighth, but kind of the interesting thing in looking at uh, point percentage here is that basically six of the top seven are all from the Eastern Conference. Is that really kind of where the strength is? And does that sort of help the Avs a little bit that it looks like the East is stronger and deeper than the West this year? Well, you know, you, you, I'll just take the word you used, Andrew, which is deeper. And I think that's what makes the apps so dangerous is the depth. Um, you know, again, Tampa Bay, depth, Florida, depth. These teams that are, that are hot right now, the Oilers, you know, they, they dropped six or seven in a row. 
the Calgary Flames have fallen back to reality a little bit. Um, you know, it, I, I think that there's a handful of teams in the East that are just so much better than the Buffaloes and the Montreals and the Ottawas that it's pretty lopsided over there. It's the, the cream of the crop, you know, are at the top, and that's what you're seeing. Now, when you see uh, interconference play between, say, the Abs and the, and the Florida Panthers, that's when you learn where you really are because you're only going to see them twice a year. They manhandled the, the New York Rangers, uh, whatever, a week ago, and the Rangers had won eight games in a row and looked, you know, indestructible. And the Avs just slapped them around. I mean, they, they made them look silly and exposed them defensively, the goaltending. They couldn't get anything going offensively. So it's almost like, whoa, you know, if you're, if you're just playing the same teams in your division and your conference, you, you, you have to use the measuring stick when you play, you know, uh, teams from the West. So I wouldn't look at it as so much from a point percentage as I w- would, where is the depth? Where's the abs getting their scoring? And right now it's from the blue line. Up. I mean, Cal McCarr, you know, he's been outstanding. Devon Taves, who won't be in the lineup for a while because of COVID. Um, Eric Johnson, Sammy G. Uh, you know, everybody defensively has been so good that it's allowed those forwards to really thrive. Guys like uh, Kadri and, and Burakovsky and Miko. So I think rather than point percentage, look at depth. We are talking with Kyle Keefe. You can catch him on Altitude Sports and Entertainment. Uh, I'm looking at the list of the top goal-scoring teams in the league. Avalanche have played 25 games. They are on top of the list. They have played three less games in Minnesota, who's number two, two less games in Florida, okay, they're number three. They've played three less games than the Capitals, three less games than the uh, Blues, so on and so forth. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season that over a third of the way through the season, the Avs, with games in hand, would be leading the, te- leading the league in goal scoring, and Nathan McKinnon would have three goals, yeah. you would have said what? Give me a sip whatever you're drinking. Water right now. But after the show, different story. That's what that's what I would have said to you, though, because you know I would. Ex- I mean, everybody expected Nathan McKinnon to, you know, run away with the Hart Trophy. Um, you know, he, he went through some COVID stuff and injuries and whatever. And for whatever reason, um, you know, he just hasn't been able to find the back of the net on a consistent basis. That being said, everybody else has. So, talk about a great problem. You know, it's like that's like saying that you know, Aaron Rodgers is the fourth most important player on the Packers. You know, if Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams and whoever are killing it, A.J. Dillon, and Aaron Rodgers is your fourth best player, that's a great problem. Wait, you know football? You know football, too? Wow. Oh, yeah, buddy. That's impressive. I'll be on tomorrow if you want to talk. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's uh, yeah, I I wouldn't have believed you. Um, But, again, this is a great great problem. Nazem Kadri, uh, you know, he went through some – you know, he went through a little stretch there last year. I believe it was 42 games where he had just two goals, and he's found his touch. Um, he's on a on a line with Burakovsky and Nuchushkin, who both are thriving. Um, and so, you know, when you're like I said earlier, if you're getting it, Logan O'Connor has been just unbelievable. Uh, his the addition that he's brought, just the toughness and um, you know, just the the forechecking and the aggressive nature. Uh, on penalty kills, you know, he's really sort of changed uh, that attitude from we're an all-finesse team, we're quick, we're fast, to now we're really hard to play against. Um, They're very physical, and they showed that in the Florida series. Um, So I think McKinnon is benefiting from 
all the depth and this and and the scoring. So yes, I would have thought, Goody, that you were you were crazy. Well, you wouldn't be the first one to say that, having nothing to do with hockey. Uh, right. Your good friend and a guy who tolerates me, John Michael Lyles, uh, said to me uh, probably about six to eight months ago when he talked about teams that win the Stanley Cup. He said, your top two lines get you to the playoffs and your third and fourth lines win you games in the playoffs. I understand that we are essentially repurposing some of the things that we have talked about, and we know the defense is scoring, but are the third and fourth lines there where you feel confident that those third and fourth lines could help contribute to winning playoff games. Yeah, I mean, because it's not just goal scoring. You're, you know, most playoff games, you're, they're not going to be these 7-6, six, 6-5 six, games. You're talking about 2-1, right. 3-2, one nothing situations. What wins you series and eventually Stanley Cups, I believe number one is goaltending. There's yep. a reason that Tampa's won back-to-back because Vasilevsky has been a freak. So goaltending, and then, yes, those those sort of role players. You know, they brought in Pat Maroon. They brought in Cernak. You know, they brought in guys that are tough, physical, playoff sort of uh, groomed players. I believe that the Avs have found some of that. Uh, Val Nichushkin has been uh, he's been playing to his size. You know, he's a big, big body, and now all of a sudden he's, he's learned how to use it. Uh, Abe Kubel has been a really nice addition for the Avalanche. Uh, not afraid to drop the gloves as we saw the other night. Uh, Tyson Jones wins faceoff, kills penalties. JT Comfer, first game back in the lineup, scores a big goal. So you have these sort of Mike Keane, and I don't want to get crazy. Whoa, Mike Keane. That's well, a big name. I, I know, but maybe not in the locker room so much, yeah. but that sort of that that Danny Hynote, you know, sparky kind of player that can give you a, a big shorthanded goal or can give you a big hit or a big block shot. So I think guys are learning their roles, but also understanding that if they can get goals from the, the second, third, and fourth lines, they're going to be really hard to deal with. So, yeah, I think the Avs are getting there. If there's a piece that they need at the trade deadline, I'm sure they're going to be uh, big-time buyers if it's, a, if it's the right situation. But, you know, right now you, everything is just sort of working because of effort. Pavel Francouz is coming back uh, to the to the roster after a long time. I thought it was interesting though that uh, bringing him up, uh, the the Avs waived Jonas Johansson. Just given the fact that Francouz, while he's been very good when he's been available, and of course Darcy Kemper is back, uh, has had trouble with injuries. Is there kind of a roll of the dice here in that move? Well, it's everything's salary cap based, right? So yeah. you get somebody back there, you're going to absorb some salary. So by putting him on waivers, you know, you're rolling the dice saying, well, we, we have to do this. They did it with Jacob McDonald too. He, he cleared waivers and then he, you know, he came back and played. Unfortunately, he got pretty, he got hit pretty hard, but he, you know, he's, he's walking around and he's got movement and all that sort of stuff. But that's just the, that's the nature of the beast when you, you know, you're, maxed out and you got guys coming back and you know alex newhook had to go down to the eagles for a while that was all uh salary cap based you know it's just it's fudging numbers and being able to put together a team as guys are in and out of the lineup and covid and all that sort of stuff so they had to run that risk and yeah he got picked up but uh you know frankie i think his first game back down for the eagles or maybe it was the second game he had a shutout looks great he showed up to the game the other night in a white checkered suit, so he's got some <laughs> some spunk and some some fire in him. Looks sharp. Always keeps himself in shape. 
And another guy that's great for the locker room. The boys love him, so it's going to be another sort of added personality that I think uh, you know will mesh real well as the boys continue to roll. How good do you? Let's just talk about the obvious. How good do you feel about the goaltending right now? I know guys can get hot, but there have been a lot of injuries. Where are you at on the goaltending right now? Eh, I mean, it's been okay. Yeah. I mean, it's been okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it it hasn't been terrific. It certainly you know you get into April and May, it's going to have to be. You know, really, really good. You but concerned? Think, are you concerned? Honestly, a little bit. No, I, I, I also put some blame on you know the forwards and the defensemen. I mean, you can't just leave your goaltender out high and dry. You just can't do that. And there have been some games where they have done that. They've exposed Kemper or uh, JoJo or whoever's been in that shit one night. Or sorry, excuse me. That's all right. We have a dump button. Danny, get on it. Yeah. Listen, this isn't this isn't the radio station that is your namesake of the person that signed your paycheck. Okay, right. maybe that's right. acceptable over there. That type of potty type of mouth. But here we are, a professionally run organization. You can say What's shoot. You can say shoot. What's your dump button? Is it seven seconds? Eight seconds? How much time do we have to fire that one off? Danny, we had fifteen, so you're all good, Kyle. Well, okay, we, us- we usually have seven, but we knew you were coming on the show, uh, pr- probably uh-huh. down in a few brandies before you joined us. No, I actually, I'm sitting in my driveway because I had to pick up four kids for, uh, for carpool. So okay. I made sure I dropped everybody off before I got on the radio, so it's just me. Um, but yeah, the goaltending, <laughs> you know, it's been okay. It's been okay. So um, that certainly can get better. And, you know, not to say that Darcy Kemper d- didn't play out of his mind, Against Florida. Florida, I mean, yeah. he's. I mean, it was insane. So, does he? Is it there? Does he have it? Yeah, for sure. But if everybody's working in the same direction, it's cert- certainly more helpful for your goaltender if everybody's on the same page. By the way, one thing before uh, we let you go, because you mentioned uh, Dan Hino when you said there are some guys on the team like Dan Hino. When you mentioned Danny's name, I thought you meant there was a guy who could probably drink five or six pitchers of beer the night before a game and then go out and perform at a high level. They have those guys? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, um, no, I don't think they have those guys. I don't think anybody. <laughs> I mean, he's legendary. I'll tell he you is. You know, Danny and uh, Johnny Lyles and Brad Larson and that, you know, Rene Corbett and all those guys, they, they used to run run around down in Cherry Creek and they had their house down there. And there's right. probably four or five of them that live there. And when you walked in, this would be late night, but at least for me, when I walked in, they their, their closet right there, they were just filled with costumes. And you always had to put on a costume before you could go anywhere in the house or hang out in the kitchen or watch TV or whatever. You always had to wear a costume. That's that's how crazy it was over right. there. You're you're sitting around just you know having a beer in a big bird uh, right. outfit or right. uh, you know a monkey outfit. Mean, it's just crazy. Right. Well, when I was at his engagement party, I'm thinking, boy, Dan, you've come a long way. And the first time that I met him, I was at a place that used to be called Spill down in Lodo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a buddy of mine, uh, a couple of sportscasters, Dave Benz, Tim Ring, I don't know if you remember who they are. Yeah, I remember Tim. Yep. They introduced me to Dan. They tapped Dan on the shoulder, and I had just gotten to town. Dan turns around, he's holding a pitcher of beer, and he was treating it like a cup. And I'm thinking, this is my type of guy. This is my yeah, type of guy. Yeah, and now he's on the he's an assistant coach for the National Predators. I know. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Crazy. And Brad hey. Larson is the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Wow. Well, it just goes to show you drinking is not an underrated activity. It can absolutely spur career growth. 
Yes, and I'm a prime example of that. As am I. Kiefer, thanks for your time. Have a good time riding with the kids. All right, guys. Appreciate it. See you, pal. Coming up after the break, Trey McBride. Wow. He played for a team that didn't get a lot of notice this year, but boy, did he get some notice nationally recently. And he is becoming a list of Colorado State players who are and have been taken high in the draft. As much, if not more so, than Colorado. Really? That's next. Put on a little Dylan, Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. We don't play the Colorado State fight song enough, do we? If it was uh, up to me, which I guess it is, I would I would play it just the amount that we do, yeah. which is very rarely. You know what? I'm going to go see some games at CSU because of Jay Norvell. And yeah. by the way, uh, you see what he did today? Uh, what did he do? Uh, he brought in Clay Millen, mm-hmm. a redshirt freshman at Nevada. He was the likely heir to Carson Strong, a four-star recruit. There you go. I mean, I thought you were going to say you were going to see CSU watch some basketball because yeah, that's too. They're in the top twenty-five that right too. now. I mean, David Roddy looks like a great player. Dick Vitale gave Colorado State a lot of love on Twitter yes, today. I mean, the, yeah, CSU unbeaten in basketball. They've got a, a new coach with a lot of optimism in yep. football. Who's going to uh, hopefully get the kind of the quarterback pipeline going from Fort Collins uh-huh. to the NFL, which in turn will bring more talented quarterbacks into Fort Collins. There you go. And that's how you build a sustainable program. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. More than a few honors for Colorado State Trey McBride over the last four to five days. Yesterday, he was named First Team All-America, also won the Mackey Award as the nation's top tight end. He is expected to be, depending on how his workouts go, likely a late first-round pick, probably a second-round pick. Now, since 2014, the Rams have had two guys taken in the second round, three guys taken in the third round. The Buffs. The big boys on the block. Pac-12, Power 5 school. Over the same time frame, four guys taken in the second round, two guys taken in the third round. It's essentially a wash because McBride is going to be a first or a second round pick. And in fact, um, no, uh, or, um, Todd McShay on ESPN had a mock draft today. He did not have Trey McBride in his first round, but did say that Starting at about teams team twenty six, which at this point is the Titans, mentioned Trey McBride as somebody who is possible. So basically, he's very much on the fence of being a first or second round pick. If McBride goes down to the Senior Bowl next month and plays right. well, 
he probably will play his way into the first round. Right. As we've often seen over the years, guys I, do that. And I'm sure he will take his workout seriously as well. And when he goes to the combine, hopefully he will do very well there. Mm-hmm. With that, why do you think... Now listen, Colorado has more talent in the NFL than Colorado State does overall. It just does. And Colorado has more guys that have been drafted since 2014 Mm -hmm. than Colorado State. But when you look at the top-tier guys, it's kind of equal. Why do you think it's so close? It says that uh, CU is punching below the weight it should be at in the Pac-12. CSU, they're not great in the Mountain West, but they're kind of a typical Mountain West program on the whole. CU is a lower-level Pac-12 program. I mean, basically, it just reflects where these where these schools are. And yeah, you can have the occasional great player that comes from a, a lower level program. It happens all the time. But when you kind of take this thing in the aggregate, they're they're pretty close. I mean, you know, if you look actually at the last four drafts, 2018 through 2021, and I'm just going to go through every player picked from these schools in the last four drafts. CU produced Isaiah Oliver, Jawan Winfrey, Arlington Hambright, Davion Taylor, LaVisca Chenault, see, yep. and William Sherman. Good job. The last, C, CSU only has a couple of guys drafted in that span, B.C. Johnson, but Michael Gallup. You can argue that CSU has the single best player coming from out of Colorado, the, the Colorado schools in the last four years, and that Trey McBride is going to, again, be You're the single to best player. You're Michael to Gallup. Gallup, yes. Right. He's better than anybody CU has produced in the last four years. No question. And McBride could be as good at his position as Michael Gallup as it as is at his. Right. Now, when you look at the top two guys that have come from each school or the top guy from each school, mm-hmm. who would you rather have? David Bakhtiari, who is a fantastic offensive tackle for the Packers. Back in 2013, fourth rounder. Or Shaq Barrett, who wasn't drafted. Shaq Barrett. And Bakhtiari is very good. Bakhtiari has been more consistent over a longer period of time. He is, but at the same time, but Shaq... And again, he's gotten more opportunity. Right. And, uh, Shaq Barrett, I think you'd be looking at him having a pretty prodigious sack total by this point in his career right. if he had played more earlier. I mean, he has, of course, that 19-and-a-half sack explosion a couple of right. years ago. Yeah. And then last year he had eight sacks. But then, you know, he kind of did the whole Von Miller thing, right? Got got really hot in the playoffs, played his best played his best ball in the playoffs. You could argue that he should have been the Super Bowl MVP. And then this year he's got uh, he's got nine sacks in thirteen games. That would lead a lot of teams yeah. right now. Well, and, that, and that means he's probably going to finish in double digits, which is kind of the sign of a good of a very good pass rush who's probably going to be a Pro Bowl. This is why I'm taking Bakhtiari. He's a two time first team All Pro and a three-time second-team All-Pro. Stringing together about three, four more seasons like that, and he is 30. But then again, uh, uh, the guy from, uh, gosh, I'm not suggesting he's going to play as long as uh, Whitfield. Is it Whitfield? The, the guard, Whitworth, the, Andrew, Whitworth Andrew Whitworth from the Rams. A guy, by the way, about five years ago, I screamed for John Elway to pick up as a free agent. You know what? The, the talk of when the Broncos passed on him was that he too was old. 35 too and he's old. too old, and, too look, old. and look what he's done since Exactly. Then. And I remember on the show I said, just pick up this guy. You desperately need an offensive tackle with that. 
Bakhtiari just turned 30. Give him two or three more first-team All-Pros, and you're talking about a guy who will be a borderline Hall of Famer. That's true. Now, the other thing with Bakhtiari is, would he have had that kind of career if he were, say, blocking for the parade of quarterbacks the Broncos have had the last five years? He certainly got a nice little break blocking for sure. Aaron Rodgers. Sure. And Joe- Just like we can say Ryan Ramchek got a nice break going to New Orleans and blocking for Drew Brees instead of Garrett Bowles blocking for Trevor Simeon, Paxton yeah. Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, yeah. Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, Drew Locke. Teddy breaks water, after a school. I got you. Yeah. And we could also say that Joe Montana is probably Brett not Rippin. in the Hall of Fame if he doesn't play for Bill Walsh. Right. And Demarius Thomas, the great late Demarius Thomas, might not even be a ring of famer if he doesn't play with Peyton Manning. Probably, so, perhaps so, not, but he was showing how great he could be. He, was, show, he was showing it, but again, yeah. I told you what he said to me. He said, my career would be what, nothing I, without Peyton I Manning. I know what he said. I think he was also being respectful to Peyton Manning. Too. Uh, not the way the conversation was going. The point is, sometimes you need you need to be in the right situation to thrive. Okay, And, and you can't fault somebody for being in the right situation. That's just not fair. So, so if you want to go down the road, the Bakhtiari, and oh, by the way, and oh, by the way, I'm going to disagree with you about Aaron Rodgers and Bakhtiari. You know why? Because Rodgers holds the ball way too long. If anything, they have to hold their blocks longer. So what kind but of he's mo- he's moving around? I though. understand. He's I, moving around. He's moving away. So did and Tim does, Tebow, and he does. So did Tim Tebow. And people, he moved, and every, he's like and, he was running. And from everyone bees. focuses on the t- on the time on the. Which are few, the times when he's buying time, which are much fewer than the times he's actually getting the ball out lickety split. But the difference is with Ramchek and Breeze, Breeze is all timing patterns. Aaron Rodgers, not the last couple of years, but seasons before that, he was not. As an offensive line with Aaron Rodgers, you have to hold the ball longer because he wants to throw the ball deeper. Last couple of years, it's been different. But I'm not going to say that about Bakhtiari. He's just great. Yeah, I'm not. Ramchek, you can make that argument. We're talking about about like two guys who are terrific. No question. But Bakhtiari, sir, I think had a little bit more favorable situation than Shaq. Than Shaq Barrett having to Shaq Barrett having to be on the bench. No doubt. For too long. No doubt. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? Well, speaking of college football, Lane Kiffin compared the NIL rules in the transfer portal to NFL free agency and also Nuggets up big in the third quarter last night, won by only six points. We'll talk about how they got there and how the Wizards were able to close the gap next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. I'll be Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. So I just looked something up and found it to be very interesting as we were talking about David Bakhtiari. Yeah. If he has four or five more great seasons, he'll be the first player from the University of Colorado to go to the Hall of Fame. Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, and that's something. Did you know that? Yeah. By the way, you know who leads the way of Colorado colleges? Of guys in the Hall of Fame? Colorado College? Uh, Yeah. Colorado College. Literally. Colorado yes. College. Yeah, down in the Springs. 
Earl Clark and Steve Sable. Now, Steve yep. Sable didn't play. Well, he played uh, football at CC. Right. But, but he didn't play in the NFL. I know what but you mean. He's, yeah. he's known for NFL films. Right, exactly. With that, only one guy, but good for them, Colorado State has a guy in Jack Christensen. Yeah. Time now for what do we want to call this? Yeah, let's call it Final Word. The Final Word. Presented by Greenfields Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfields has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, Lane Kiffin of Ole Mace with some strong words about his thoughts on the transfer portal. He says college athletes, quote, go where they're going to get paid the most, (laughs) unquote, using the transfer portal as a sort of free agency because of the new NIL rules. This is the way jobs work, if I'm not mistaken, that you generally go to a place that's going to offer you the most money. Yep. Uh, So I don't know exactly what his gripe might be with that. And many coaches would go to a school that offered them the best salary. So I don't know why he should hold anything against the players like that. Since NIL is the only above board way for student athletes to be making money and playing football, should coaches do more to help find players NIL opportunities to convince them to stay at their program or make that a part of their recruiting process. Not so much the coaches, but I think you're going to see some programs that literally have more people working in their athletic department to help set up these opportunities. I mean, you already see, like, for example, Mel Tucker at Michigan State has a recruiting staff of 12, which is basically three times the size of a lot of other recruiting staffs in the in in the Big Ten Conference. I know Mel Tucker is a bad name around here, but it's worth noting. I think you'll see some programs that realize that you have a staff of people who basically their job is to kind of work with lo- with local and regional businesses to create NIL opportunities to set this up for their players. This is kind of the next air. This is the next frontier of programs gaining an advantage. So like, if they say they say, hey, you know what, you come here, uh, we've got you know, you know, we've got Bob's Ford dealership, we've got uh, you know, our we, we've got this local fast food chain that'll that wants you to pitch for them, and everything just kind of comes together that way. It's going to be about kind of business relationship building. Well, these college programs. Well, the smart programs will get ahead of the curve and set up those programs, for lack of a better phrase, mm-hmm. within their athletic department. Those who do not will probably go way behind the eight ball. So to answer your question, should coaches get involved? They really don't have to because I'm sure they have boosters banging down those coaches' doors, letting them know there are opportunities for any guy that wants to come that is considered a four- or five-star recruit. Great point. Just in case you missed it, biggest takeaway from the Rams' 30-23 to win over the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. Cardinals struggling a lot in their home stadium. Go ahead. Did you have something? Like you were about to say something. I, unfortunately, I think we learned something about the poise of, um, of Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals and specifically Kyler Murray. How in the world they did not spike that ball is beyond belief. Yeah, the, and also kind of the game management as well. You look at, the, at how that game was going and uh, 
you're sitting there, you're down 10 points, and you have fourth and one, 524 to go, and you have a kicker who, in that environment, is good to about 58 yards, and that's Matt Prater, and he's already hit from 50-plus. Going for it on fourth and one, probably a mistake there. That was one where they probably should have gone ahead and kicked, gotten back within one score, and then sent the defense back out there. So really, you know, Cliff Kingsbury did not coat himself in game management glory last night at all. No. All right, that was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you could try it before you buy, meaning you can walk in any store and try out the appliances before you buy them, not to mention their sales staff. No one is better than the sales staff in Mountain High Appliance, especially when you're looking for something to, you know, maybe you designed your own kitchen. You know, if you need a bunch of appliances, they can help you with that. They can get you exactly what you need. They ask the right questions. They listen to what you need, and they get you what you want. Or if you need something to fit your budget, they can help you with that, too. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, we teased it at the top of the show. I want to nitpick for a second because the NFL adding a 17th game just might save Vic Fangio's job. Okay. The schedule makers may have saved Vic Fangio's job. What do I mean by that? What do we mean by that? We'll talk about it next. Left 